Bible speaks of the genuineness of faith that is more precious than perishable gold that has been tested in fire. That faith that triumphs over this world. We bless the name of the Lord this morning. We prayed for any one of you who is a heavily burdened this morning that you will know the peace and the restoration from the Lord. Uh, my sister Nancy was telling me this morning how important it is to come in the presence of God with reverence. She reminded me that there's no more reverence in the presence of God these days. And God is not pleased with that. And she's right. I've told you so many times there are things you cannot do in front of King Charles, but we do them in the house of God. Do you know why? Because God is not real for us. If God was real, the things you cannot even do in front of your father, you do in front of God. Because it's not real. Someone reminded me about some of the things I've been saying recently. When I say, Lord, we love you, but certainly not as we ought to. Why am I saying that? It's because there is a lot of fake statements. Lord, we love you. I love you. I love you. But God cannot be faked. It's impossible. God does not look outside. He sees in the heart. We're not called to love God just with our heart. No. With all our heart. All our strength. All our souls. That is our thinking, our will, our intelligence, our emotion. Everything must be to God. Every compartment of our life must be for God. And if it's not, then we need to cry out to him. For him to do that work in us. That is the aim. Not to be too satisfied. Lord, I love you. Well, if someone who has been there before, Lord, I love you. Even if everybody forsake you, I will know. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love? Lord, you know everything. Attention. Let's be careful. With empty statements, which will only harm us. And will lead and establish us into a very irresponsible complacency. Remember, God is in heaven. Well, when my sister said that to me, I said, I'm not here to tell you how beautiful you are. I'm not here to tell you, you know what? You worth the whole world because God sent his begotten son. Because you're so valuable. He cost God God because of you. I'm not here to teach you how to top up your self-esteem. That's for psychologists. I'm here to tell you, take up your cross and follow Jesus. I'm here to tell you that if, you say, if we say we have no sin, we are liars and deceivers. Paul said, who will deliver me from this flesh of sin? Wretched that I am. Paul, 
Why should I come here and lie to you? You're so beautiful. You demo. Why? If your parent tells you that, that's your parent. If the world tells you you're the most beautiful, that's you. I asked that little man of mine, Salil, this morning in the car, tell me why you think you're special and unique. He says to me, oh, because God has given me this gift. I said, that's not the right answer. You are unique because God made you. Wonderfully made. Unique. Every soul is unique and valuable in the sight of God. That's why he sent his only begotten son to die for to redeem your soul. That's how you are unique. There are no two Helen. There are no two Johns. There's one John. And God loves you and sent his son to die for you to redeem you. That's the uniqueness. All the other things come after. They are negotiable. Made me intelligent. Made me a great singer. Ah, that's fine. That's fine. But you are unique in the sight of God. Wonderfully, carefully, fearfully crafted by God. And important in his sight. Well, with that in mind, you don't need to top up you know, self-esteem, you know, self-esteem, self-esteem. You already love yourself. Nobody shows you the way to the fridge in the morning. You see, those are things that are just lying and telling people, you know, and blaming God for everything. No. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Lord, we bless you this morning once again. Redeemed by the blood precious of the Lamb, we belong to you, O God. Father, we are treading where the saints of all our forefathers have treaded. We give you praise. The church that will never sleep because Christ is the captain leading his church from generation to generation there will be a remnant because Christ lives. We are so blessed this morning Lord to be partakers of these things in the midst of the congregation of the redeemed. The people who love God and worship him have been delivered out of darkness unto your marvelous lights. Delivered by the blood of the Lamb. In the name of Jesus. O oh Lord, we thank you. Rejected and despised by others, yet precious unto us. O oh Lord, we look forward to that day where we will see you as you are. And we will be made in your likeness, never to depart again. There will be no more fight against sin. But Glory be to God who grant us victory over the world, over sin, over the flesh. By the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, blessed be the name of God. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think today is uh, people who have been following the reading plan. You've been reading um, from Isaiah. We, we, from, the, from Daniel. Why am I on Isaiah? Oh, that's the parallel reading plan. The family. We have two reading plans. Okay, one is Daniel. This one is Isaiah. Okay, thank you. Um, in Isaiah, you find something. 
Don't worry, we will go back to your lovely studies today. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6, we find this. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. From the soul of the foot even of the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointments. Do you remember what I told you the other day? And you know that anyway. When a newborn baby comes to life, there is a midwife. And the midwife will do the first care. I've seen most of our children being born, and I've been uh, in the theater. And in fact, I remember the second one when uh, I was there and the midwife was uh, doing the first care, etc. And I said to her, do you believe in God? She says to me, no. I say, so what do you believe? And she says, in anything, I believe God is ever. I say, give the child here. And I took the child, I pray. Because she doesn't believe in God, she can be a witch. So <laughs> I prayed to the Lord and dedicated the child to the God. And I said, now you can continue to do what you're doing, etc. But that's not the point. The point I'm making is... The first care that is given to a child is very important. Some older lady in Africa who are not trained do it in a very special way. It can be even intimidating the way they do it. You know, the kind of massage they do on the back of the child. I cannot look. They say that's how it should be done, etc., etc. If we are born again, it's very important that the first care is done spiritually. What is happening in the church, the problem in the church, is because people have not been through that process. They have not been looked after properly to tell them, no, that's not how it works. This is how it works. This is what to do. And being trained step by step before they continue to run. Imagine a baby coming out of the womb and start running. You, parent, you run away. But we have that in church. Someone has become Christian yesterday, next day want to be Billy Graham. We have that all the time. And there's no one to stop. There's no one to say, no, that's not how it works. Everybody's ready comfort. Everybody. What do we do? And if you are excellent with that, if you are very cunning and you know how to dribble people, etc., you will become a pastor without first care. People have had a lot of situations in their life before meeting Christ. A lot of disappointment, a lot of hurts, 
a lot of misunderstanding within families that work with friends, in particular within families, in particular. Lots of wounds. They come to Christ. Without bringing all those things to Christ, without bringing their hearts to Christ, they just carry on as if nothing has ever happened. Let's read again, verse 6. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wound and bruises and putrefying souls, they have not been bound up. The souls and the wounds need to be looked after by Jesus Christ. The wound from life, the hurt from life, need to be looked after by Jesus Christ. The ointment need to be put to What's the expression to, uh, to, to heal the wound of your life? Otherwise, you come to Christ full of hate because you haven't brought it to Christ. It's open, putri, 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 petrifié, petrifié, that's what it is. It smells bad. You know yourself that this wound is smelling bad and then it's infecting everybody surrounding people because you have not brought it to God. It's infecting your family, even though you claim to be a Christian. It's infecting the whole society and the church because you're so hateful because of what has happened in your life. It's smelly, the souls. They haven't been bound up by Christ with the ointment of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he found the, 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 that man who was beaten half dead. A prophet passed, a priest passed, but the good Samaritan took the person to the nearest him in and bound the sores and the wounds and paid for him. That's what Christ wants to do in your life. Unless you surrender, you will be bitter for the rest of your life. You will be complacent, you will be talking about to God in hypocrisy. Because the wound is still there. They did it to me 25 years ago. They did this to me 10 years ago. My dad did it. My mom did it. My sister did it. My nan. You won't go anywhere. That's love with hypocrisy. It's not true love. But that was the situation here. The Lord marvels. And what does he say? There is no soundness. There's no soundness. It's all noise. Fake prayers. There's no depth. There's no soundness. Because of all the underlying stuff that brings and maintains heaviness. It's empty words. But wound and bruises and putrefying souls, they have not been closed and bound up or soothed with ointments. The Lord wants to restore. Otherwise, there won't be joy. There will be a little of pretending to be happy, a little bit. They did it to me. They did this to me 25 years ago, 30 years ago. They did this. Where is liberty? Where is it? If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Are you free? Let's close that. Let's go back to Sardis now. Think about that. The Lord wants to make us free, completely free. It doesn't mean it's a trouble-free life. 
It doesn't mean you need to pretend that all is okay. No. But if the Lord has done that initial work in our lives, and the Holy Spirit is there, we know where to run quickly. When there is a provocation, when there is a situation difficult, we know where to go. Rather than storing those things in our hearts, it's not good. Check out the latest article we've written there. Anxiety brings depression. How is that possible? Where Christ is the restorer of our souls. How is that possible? We have hard time, difficult time. I'm aware of that. The reason I'm aware of that is because I'm a human being. I was telling someone that someone came to me many years ago and said this to me. Gee, can you teach me how to announce a good news? Do you know why they say that to me? Because I refuse to be Job's comforter. I love announcing good news and I do it properly. If I have a good news to announce, something the Lord has done for me, I take time to wait. And I make sure that when I release it, it has a full impact. Everyone who has it glorifies God. I want as many people as possible to glorify God. But when I have a bad news, I don't share it. I just go to God straight away. Guess what? The Lord says weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We've reversed now. We're weeping for those who rejoice. And we're rejoicing for those who are weeping. God has punished them. Someone is weeping, someone is sick, someone has lost someone, and you rejoice. God has punished them. John Hayward told me a a story of uh, someone, I'm going to stop that, let me be wise. But it's a good story, it's not gossip. Uh, Let me move to something else. So, if someone tells you that they're sharing with you a good news, you have to exaggerate that before God. Do you understand? So that together you lift up the name of God. If someone tells you, I've had a new job, bless the Lord. Don't say, oh, I've been praying for 15 years. I haven't. May the Lord bless you. Fake. Fake. I'm not married at all. Oh, I found a fiancé. Yeah, may God bless you. Fake. Exaggerate the fact before God and lift the name of God up together. That's what it means. That's what I do. I'm not quick at announcing good news. I wait and put it in a way that people cannot resist to glorify God. But when it's a bad news, I sit on it. I just go to God straight away. But guess what? Some people like hearing bad news. Do you know why? Then they will come to help you to pray. But why don't you glorify God with me? Small things, but important. People are very good at sharing bad news. It makes them look spiritual. Now, okay, another promise. Let's go to Sardis. As you can see, there is a lot in the church. I'm not an evangelist. I teach in the church. 
we talk about day everyday stuff simple easy stuff someone prayed and say one day I was preaching and then someone said oh Lord uh, help us to receive these things even though they are basics <laughs> I say oh that's good well make an effort for the basics I don't know what sophistication means in preaching Take the basics. May God bless you with the basics. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, Revelations. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And to the angel of the church of Sardis writes, These things says he who has the seven spirit of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch... I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, remember the solution here, the remedy of this situation was to remember, to repent, and to Wake up. Remember what? Remember the days when you became a Christian. The love, your first love, the love you had for Christ. Remember the love and the perseverance of those who led you to Christ. Remember those days. Remember the battle you sustained for Christ in those days. Remember the discrimination you suffered and persecution for the name of Christ. Remember those things. Remember how you ran to the church on time. Remember how you fasted. Remember how you love the brethren. Question. Where are you today? Where are you? You hear a believer is suffering, a believer is in hospital, he means nothing to you. Nothing. Other people will do it. Because you don't have time anymore for other people. But we all have 24 hours. 
you have to find time for others. Coming to the church, you have to find time for that. If you put so much excuses, when those difficult days come, God cannot be impressed. See, God is not mocked. You see, when people start suddenly fasting to try and impress God, and they start... I've told you in the past, we've been in Christian leadership for some times now. We know how believers, we can recognize a pattern. You see, some people, they disappear from the church. The first day you see them coming back after three months, just approach them, you will see that the enemy is biting. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. When things go well, they disappear. When they come back again, there is something going on. I call that flashing Christians, like headlamp. Flashing. See, they go, they come, they go. Les chrétiens clignotants. Now, up, down, top, valley with Christ. If you live a clear and consistent life with Christ, you don't need drama when things go wrong. It says of Daniel, he continues to pray as was the case all the time. He did not do need to do something new. That was his life. That's what I'm talking about. You just continue. Because you always commit your life to the Lord, when those tough times come, you just continue the way you always pray. You come to meeting, you continue to pray for other people, to water other people while God is watching you. That's how it works. Do you think God is unjust? Do you think God is like you and I? No. The Bible says God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. That's what God said. You may forget. God doesn't. And all the love and the ministry you've shown to his saints. God does not forget that. If you spend day and night, you come here at home laboring in prayer, praying to other people, do you think God is going to forget you? He will not, for sure. It takes time to pray for other people. We all get very tired. We want to throw ourselves in bed and sleep. But then you have all this going on. If I don't, who will? Down. And you pray. And you are tired and you pray. And you pray for other people. That's a Christian life. Remember. Remember how you heard the gospel. People who prayed for you. The pastors you've met in your life, the elders, the deacons, the sisters, the brothers, everything they've planted in your life. Remember. And repent. And come back. And start running again with the Lord. Unto the race that is set before you. Looking to Jesus. Be alert. Be awake. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Dear brothers and sisters, unfortunately, I'm not here to tell you how beautiful you are. I leave that to your husband and your family. But you are all beautiful before God. Your soul is beautiful before God. I'm here to tell you the truth of God so that you can continue to walk steadily, steadfastly with God 
and to move forward and not going round and round with human reasoning, going really nowhere. There's no growth, there's nothing, there's no... We want to grow. All of us want to grow. I told these people, imagine if God gives you the kind of things he gave to Daniel. Imagine that. Just imagine that the whole UK government should come to you and say, should we go to war or not? And you say, let's go and go to win. Because God has spoken to you. Imagine that. What I mean is, God wants to use each one of us in different capacity. The problem is not God, the problem is me and you. We are the barrier stopping God from fulfilling and achieving his purpose in our lives. We are the problem. All we need is to go back to, all we need is just to give him our hearts. That's all God wants. Because if God takes your heart, you will be a different person, I can tell you. If God takes your heart and your heart beat is aligned with his, it's a different thing. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be far from God. Remember the analogy, the anecdote I told you the other day? The difference between a maternity and a cemetery? Yeah? In a maternity... Let me look at my note. What did I write here? Maternity is a place for the living where there is new birth and there is God's controlled evidence of life. God's controlled evidence of life. What about the cemetery? A cemetery is a place for the dead where there is no life. There is man's controlled order. Is so beautiful. If you take a picture in a cemetery, even though you are scared to be there, but the picture is fantastic. The flowers, the order of the things, that man deciding to put that order like that. But inside, what is inside? Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Don't turn to it, I'll read for you. Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribe and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tomb, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bone and all uncleanness. That's what I'm talking about. That fake order from outside to look so religious and ordered and nice, full of hypocrisy, there's no life of Christ, it's all fake, it's all appearance and fake, there's nothing inside. But you can fake me and your fellow human, but not God. John the Baptist said, show by your deed that your life has changed. That cannot mislead the deed and the works of the flesh. That cannot mislead anybody. The works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. See, works of the flesh initiated by the flesh, including some of the things we attribute to God, service to God, but it's all works of the flesh. 
But the fruit of the Spirit, the work that is done through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, has its own features and characteristics. I'm going to go quickly because I'm going to address one issue of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's the cemetery. Okay. We've completed last week. Revelation chapter 3 verse 2. I have not found your work perfect before God. You see this is part of the missing dimension in the church of Sardis. The work they did wasn't perfect. Remember, they had an outside reputation of being a reputable church, did a lot of stuff. Maybe they were called a dynamic church. That's what we hear these days. But God said, no. You have a reputation outwardly, but you are dead. That's really bad. Really, really bad. And then the Lord says something. Even in Sardis, there is a few names that have kept themselves according to God. You see, that expression, even in Sardis, shows you that the, the, the wider context of it was lawlessness in that church. But even in that context, there were few people who clung on to the Lord in that context. That is called the doctrine of remnant, la doctrine du reste in French. There will always be a handful of people who will cling on to the Lord, who will not bow down to the doctrine of the Nicolaites, the doctrine of Balaam, the doctrine of Balak. No, they will cling on to Christ. I suggest this morning and exhort you to be part of that remnant. And not to be part of the big flow that say, oh, that's too harsh, that's too much, that's not how I've been doing things. Well, that's your way of doing things. It's not replacing the Bible. We want the ways of God, not your ways or my ways. We want God's ways. We all sing by the same hymn sheet. You either listen or you don't. The train is passing. Why do you think God will say, let he who has an ear hear? Don't we all have an ear? There are people who don't hear. Listen, you've been reading Isaiah. What is the approach? What is happening in Isaiah? From Isaiah chapter 1. Oh, from the head to the soul. Complete corrupt. And the Lord pronounced judgment to come. He pronounced judgment to come. And then he says, oh, to those who will hear. You see? So the Lord knows that there will always be a core, a group of people who will not change. Who will try to influence the rest. But the rest is being influenced out of ignorance. The Lord knows that by speaking to them the truth, they will understand, they will be delivered. But there is a core group that have decided that we will not change. That's how we are. So we need to go after that group of people who are being carried away out of ignorance. Try to pull those out of fire. Remember the Bible speaks of something, how do you say that in English? Marqué au fer rouge. 
mark with a fiery iron in their conscience, something like that. Those are people who will not change. Not that God has predestined them, no. They have decided that they will not change themselves. What is a perfect work before God? What does the Lord say? Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are about or ready to die. They will die if you are not watchful. If you are not strengthening them, they will die. The reason for this state of things is that the Lord did not find the works perfect before him. You see, the qualification of the state, the nature of the service we're giving unto the, unto the Lord, it's not other humans. It's God who decides, who appreciates. It's God who will say, Good and faithful servant, enter in the joy of your master. That's what we want to hear, not men praise. We may be praised here, we may be despised here, but we want to hear good and faithful servant on that day. A perfect work is a work which the Lord has prepared for you in advance. Ephesians 2.10 The work that the Lord, when he called you, has prepared beforehand that you may walk. You may walk in them. You may live all your life fulfilling that calling for you as a unique person. If you go outside that, you begin to do your own things. They may succeed, but it's not the will of God. Once you've identified, you discern the will of God for your life, there won't be any arguments. It will be so obvious in the church to all that you've been called to do that. It will be obvious. Remember what I told you. How do you know that someone had... Please don't sleep. I don't want to shame you. Don't sleep. Wake up. I'm the one doing the, the, the hard job here. Okay? For you. Okay? As John used to say, don't sleep. Please. I'm, I'm speaking very loud for you to sleep. That's hopeless. Okay? Stretch yourself, drink water, do something. It's only about 20 minutes left or 15. So, that's the perfect job. To be where the Lord has called you. Guess what? If everyone is in the position where the Lord has placed them, there will be less conflict, there will be less jealousy, Let's strive, let's fight, because everyone is doing what they are called to do. And then the whole body is benefiting from that which has been given to you. That's how it works. Dispute in churches, jealousy, etc., because everybody wants to do everything. A perfect work is a selfless work that is done in humility with the mind of Christ. It is sacrificial. In fact, Christianity and the cross is always the idea of sacrifice. Sacrifice, I say, take it from me, is another name for Christianity. 
without the spirit of sacrifice, nothing. To love your wife is hard work. Do you know that? Love your wife is a hard work. People are misled by Hollywood, you know, people kissing 24-7, and then when they get they realize, oh, oh, it's hard work. We clap for those who have been in for 50 years. Yeah? We clap for Don and Ron. Praise the Lord for your faithfulness. And things change all the way. You know, we are shiny when we are young. Things change. Look, he's gone. He used to be Afro. She still needs to love me. Things change. Love is hard work. Serving the Lord with selflessness, with humility, having the mind of Christ. Esteeming other people as better than us. That's the key. That's the secret. Esteem other people better than you. That will give you peace. If you always think, I'm the best, I'm the, that one is nothing, that one is nothing, I know everything, I know that fight, but you will be in trouble. You will have to demonstrate every day that you are the top. The one who is lower doesn't have to demonstrate just lower. Makes life so much easier. Christ emptied himself and died the death of the cross. What did God do? Exalted him. And gave him the name which is above all other names. That in his name every knee bow down, every tongue confess that he is the Lord. That's how it works. God exalts those who humble under his mighty hand and bring down those who try to exalt themselves. Now, now. I told you the other day, how do you know that someone has been called to do something? They do it without complaining. That's the number one criteria. Just observe someone working, you will know whether they've been called to do that by God. If they complain, they haven't been called to do that. Don't go with me. I still will follow. Don't go with me. It's my calling. If nobody comes with me, if I've been called to evangelism, I go, even if nobody comes with me, because I've been called to do that. Have you been called to intercession? Nobody's coming. Je pars. Because it's my calling. Nobody's coming. I can't do it. I'm discouraged. No, 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 no. You haven't been called to do it. If you've been called, you go. Elijah was one. From Luke ten twenty seven, we need to love and serve the Lord wholeheartedly. I love this word because we don't have this in French. Not just with our heart, but with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our minds. Love. Loving God. Not just in talking. Your strength, including some of your sleep, need to go into, into it as well. You know, when people pray, 
You know, when you come here and you sit down, you bless the Lord, you are so blessed, know that you come and you have the Holy Supper. Some people have cut on their sleep Sunday morning to come and do the Holy Supper for you. It doesn't happen automatically. You sit down, some people have come to order the chairs for you, cutting back on their sleep. People are working. Loving God with your strength. Sometimes we don't feel like coming. We're so tired. But we have to come because we love the fellowship with the brethren. When I'm tired and I feel down, coming here, hearing other people praying, I'm strengthened again. And I hear them praying and I go back home. And I'm strengthened and I wait for the other day. I say to the family, break down your life into daily pattern. You make your life so much easier. If you do that, you won't be scared about tomorrow. Today is past, praise the Lord. Tomorrow to the Lord, you restart again with God. We need not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We need to think soberly according to the measure of grace God has given to each one of us. Romans 12.3 You see, that's a perfect work. Not to think ourselves to have a too high opinion of ourselves. It's not good. It's not good. I'm this, I'm that. It's not good. It's not godly. Despising the whole world is not good. Think of yourself soberly. Have a sober opinion of yourself. That's the mind of Christ. Yes, do boldly fulfill your ministry boldly, but have a humble opinion of yourself. I need to have a humble opinion of myself. That's the law of Christ. That's the mind of Christ. Well, I've heard, um, seen people in churches say, I'm not listening to, to him. Now, so, what does that take away from me if you don't listen to me? If you're giving a godly advice to someone and they refuse it, what does that do to you? Nothing. They are losing. Because God does not make mistake. What God has given you in your life, he hasn't made a mistake. You think God makes mistake? No. He's called you and I've given you spiritual qualification for the edifying of the body. Everybody, we are living stones. If you don't play your role, you want to save your, I'm too busy, work, this and that, the day will come where we will see you here crawling. Please help me in prayer because, of the, because I'm losing the job. I'm on the list of being redundant. Oh, we thought you were secured in your job. Come to the Lord. Through it all. It's the article I've written there. By the way, that article is being lengthened by a brother somewhere and translated in Romanian. He's going to Romania. It's been changed and translated. Because they think it can edify people. Have you read it? It's been a week since we wrote it. Or you just despise That's just gee. It's not encyclopedia. That's your problem. But I'm writing about fear. And it's a problem for everybody. Read. See the Bible verses. It will help you. A perfect work is done with the discerning of the body of Christ. 
and with an understanding of the reality of the church, being members of one another with differing gift, function, and spiritual qualification. You know, some of you have uh, different gifts. I know you have different gifts. And sometimes I just benefit from your gift and I want myself, oh, that's a very specific gift. That's very important. I don't have them. Because it's God who has given you. You know, when some people see something out of the gift the Lord has given to them, you may think they are mad. You may that's an exaggeration. No. It's because of the point of view. Do you know what the point of view is? I'm sure you know because you speak English. Is the place from which you're looking at someone. Self-explanatory. That's a point of view. Someone who has a gift of discerning of the spirit is looking at something from that perspective. You don't have that gift, you will think they are exaggerating because you don't see that. The best way to do that is to benefit from what they tell you. Some people don't believe that you can pray for someone to be healed. But if God has given someone that gift, you see, they pray so confidently in God, they believe that God will heal that person. People like George Miller, you will think they are mad. But they are coming from the point of view of the gift of faith. You can benefit from it. Don't despise, but benefit. God has given that for the benefit of all. And we do need the Holy Spirit to work through each life. Okay. Now, Revelation 3, 4 to 5. Revelation 3, 4 to 5. You have a few name, names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Hmm. He who overcome. Now, this is a big problem. Some call themselves overcomers. Some call themselves winners. Winners, some call themselves winners. These big names, but the pastor of that winner chapel has ten wives. But they still call themselves winners and overcomers. Everybody's doing whatever they want to do to gain money, even dishonestly. It doesn't matter, we are winners. We are overcomers. Now, here, he who overcome shall be clothed in white garments. Those are the overcomers. No man can overcome the devil. No man can overcome sin. No man can overcome the world. No man can overcome the flesh without God. It's impossible. Christ overcame all this up on the cross. He defeated and overcame the devil on the cross. Colossians 2. 14 to 15. He overcame this world and defeated the power of sin. 
And he has made that victory available and manifest to all those who trust in him and receive him as their personal Lord and Savior. He has given them exousia. See, when I was in Patmos and talking to a librarian, and uh, he was explaining me what happened with Socrates, and in natural language, he say, I said, why did they kill Socrates? He said, yeah, because they wanted his exousia. I said, oh, yes, okay. So I said the right thing. And I started explaining him, the Greek person, what exousia means. He said, that's correct. Oh, so they wanted to take exousia from Socrates. That is his privilege, his reputation, his right as the father of philosophy. They want to take that. But that's the word that is used in John 1, 12. He has given them the power. He has given them the exousia to become children of God. Privilege, right, jurisdiction, all those things to become children of God. We must be born again to be children of God. However good we think we are, it means nothing before God. Only his son has satisfied the wrath of God. One must come humbly, bow before God, confess their sin, repent, receive Jesus, accept what God has done, repent, and start walking with God. For God to live his life in us. It's not a change in opinion. No. It's receiving God's life in us and let God live in us. Then in Mark sixteen seventeen, there is a list of the things that believer in Jesus Christ will be able to do in his mighty name. They will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will lay hand on the sick, and they will recover. You see, these things have been given to those who believe in Christ. They're not for magicians, they're not for aliens, no. But now we are invaded with Hindus, with uh, witches and sorcerers, and everybody talk about healing, we don't know exactly the source of that. We are invited. These things here, in the name of Jesus, have been given to those who are in Christ. And you should not be ashamed to pray for someone. You should not be ashamed. Some people are really angry, not embarrassed, but angry when you speak in tongues. And they come up with all sorts of philosophy, man-made stuff. No, you better do just ask God to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Rather than making empty philosophies. These things will accompany those who believe in Christ. Question for John MacArthur. Did the Lord put an end to this? When? When did the Lord say, when I come, I go to heaven, stop praying for the sick? When? You know, it's John MacArthur. Who are you, Guy? He's written a Bible. Who are you? Well, just saying what is in the Bible. The Bible speaks of things that accompany salvation. And the author in the book of Hebrews say, I pray that those things will be given to you. They are things that accompany salvation. They are things that are only for believers. Now, if you're wasting your time, investing all your life after money, 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 well, you know, the non-believer don't need to pray to have money. Most of them have more money than us. So you're wasting your time. Some believers don't have children, they are barren. 
and some non-believers have 25 children? We're not after that. If God gives us, praise the Lord. But then we have spiritual blessing which God has given us from the heavenly place. They don't have. They don't have. They can't pray for the sick. If they try, the demons will chase them away. But we can't. We pray for, for, for demon-possessed people. We pray for the sick confidently in the name of Christ. We do it. Because he has given us that exousia to do it. So if you're running after the same thing the pegs are running for, you're wasting your time. Unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ has been trapped. That's what people do. If you don't have money, you are cursed. You're not a good Christian. If you're not married or it's delaying or you're delaying to have a child, etc., you're a cursed person. That's not true. It's not true. I've already mentioned the dichotomy, the uh, contradiction between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, an overcomer is simply one who is in Christ and who lets Christ live in them obediently. That's an overcomer. The, The basis for that victory is Christ and his finished work. It's written, they overcome him, him, the serpent of old. They overcome him, the serpent of old, also called the devil and Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Revelation 12, 11. Revelation seven fourteen. John asked the question, Sir, who are these people? He said, this are the people who have washed their robe in the blood of the Lamb and have whitened them in the blood of the Lamb. How? Are you amongst those people? Are you among the few who have washed their lives in the blood of the Lamb and continue to whiten them until Christ return? Those are the overcomers. The problem is sin. It's not poverty. It's sin. Those who fight against sin are on the side of God. Because Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ did not come to make everybody rich having four limousines. No. He came to take away the sin of the world. And that's the hallmark of true Christianity. Fight against sin. Fight against this world. Fight against the devil. Fight against your flesh. the blood of the Lamb and his life in the believers, the word of their testimony, the taking up of our own cross and following Christ. Though none go with me, I still will follow him. Be strengthened. Be encouraged. There is that word I learned, I think it's from Nigeria maybe. It says, goodbye world. I stay no longer with you. Goodbye pleasures of sin." I stay no longer with you. I've made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Determination with Christ to the end. Christ said the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Christ is the overcomer 
and those who are in him overcome the devil. Because the strength of the devil The Bible says the descendants of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. What is the head of the serpent? I say is death. Christ has overcome death. And what is the brain of death? Is a sin. Because it is a sin that gives strength to death. All three of them, Christ has given us victory. The Bible speaks of the genuineness of faith which overcome this world. And the truly born again people are the real overcomers. Understanding the, the time in which we live. Dear brothers, brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus Christ is not magic. If you do that, you have to stop. See someone in the bus chanting almost like a Buddhist monk, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood, the blood of Jesus is not magic, it's not witchcraft. It's precious. The blood of Jesus is the life of God. Leviticus 17, 11. Life is in the blood. God has given his life. It's not magic. The blood of Jesus, including pagans, everybody, because that's what people are being taught. May the Lord bless you and thanks for your patience. We've been talking about the blood of Jesus and we're going to patiently close with a song about the blood of Jesus. And then we will close in prayer. Please stand up. Sister, come and lead us, please.